Welcome to Second in Command, brought to you by COO Alliance, where top-level COOs share the insights, tactics, and strategies that made them the chief behind the chief. And now, here's your host, Cameron Harold. Hi, everybody. Today on the Second in Command podcast, the chief behind the chief, we're interviewing Craig Dexheimer, who is the COO from GTN, which is the Global Tax Network. Dex received his Bachelor of Science in Accounting from the University of Minnesota, Carlson School of Management. He is the Minnesota Family Teams Chair for the March of Dimes and the head coach for the Osco Maple Grove Boys Traveling Basketball and Baseball Associations. Dex's professional experience includes starting his own internet-based business and playing key roles to entrepreneurial firms, a Fortune 50 organization, and a global multidisciplinary professional services firm. Dex has been affiliated with national wellness programs that have received international attention and accolades, including the Mayo Clinic's first-ever study on the thesis of movement and activity while working. Dex began his career with GTN in 2012 when he joined the executive leadership team as Senior Director of Operations and he recently received a promotion to the COO role. Let's welcome Dex to the show. Thank you, Cameron. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's good to hear you. Kind of um, great to have another one of our members from the COO Alliance on the podcast as well. So welcome everybody to the COO Alliance podcast, the chief behind the chief. And as you heard in the intro, Dex has been pretty busy with his business career and personal life. But Dex, why don't you give us a little bit of a Kind of helicopter tour as to you know what GTN is and what your role is there because every COO tends to have a very different role inside the organization. Yeah, absolutely. I am now the chief operating officer for Global Tax Network. We are headquartered out of Minneapolis, Minnesota, and we have offices all throughout the country. About seventy-five employees right now located in the United States, and we are doing a lot here this year to continue to expand out our global network. We can actually perform tax services in over 100 countries with our affiliate offices that we partner with. But our primary focus is mobility tax. So focusing on tax compliance and consulting for our clients that have uh, international assignees, people that are cross-border and traveling for work. So it's a pretty cool niche that we're in here, and we are continuing to grow ex- exponentially here as a firm. So it's really exciting. I started off as the Senior Director of Operations about four years ago, and over the course of the last four and a half years now, uh, recently, as you mentioned, Cameron was promoted into the COO role here on January 1st of this year. And my primary responsibilities are focused on our managing directors and the operations for the firm, which includes our finance functions, technology, human resources, and all of our uh, MDs that are located throughout the, the country. So pretty exciting stuff. Cool. So you actually run the finance and engineering sides. Some of the COOs don't do that. That sometimes reports into the CEO. And that's kind of what's, I think, interesting around our role is that we often have very different functional areas. What does the CEO, what does he have or she have reporting to them? Yeah. So Dave is our founder and our CEO president, and he is primarily tasked with all of the visionary aspects. We are a traction company. In fact, we were the second company in Minneapolis to implement traction over seven years ago. And his role is the visionary. I'm the integrator. And Dave is primarily tasked with you know, driving the overall strategic aspect of GTN forward, as well as our international and global network and relationships. Very cool. With him being the visionary, you being the integrator, 
how do you tap into Dave's vision so that you're clear on what you need to execute on? Because that's always key. I kind of teach people to use something called the vivid vision, but what do you guys use to ensure that you are connected with the vision of where he wants the company to go? Yeah, and actually we are looking at the vivid vision that you implemented, you know, to put that together, to really have that as a baseline overall foundation for the direction that we are going. So we're working on developing that right now, Cameron. And then we also use the vision traction organizer through the EOS traction tools. Dave and I will get together on a monthly basis to review the overall strategy of the firm and the overall kind of looking at it from a 10x mentality. And Dave really brings that mentality to GTN. And then we'll look at his list, compare that to my list, and then we'll look at what makes sense to execute, what makes sense to move forward this quarter, this year, and our three-year plan as well. And then we'll also meet on a quarterly basis to talk more on it. We'll we'll go off-site every quarter for a four-hour session, and that's really more of a 10x brainstorming session where we'll just sit there and whiteboard and come up with different ideas. Some might be kind of crazy, but it's a great way for us to determine how are we going to really continue to move this exponential growth forward. Tell me a little more about your four hours. You said that's every quarter or was that every month? Yeah, we do that every quarter. And we'll just pick a different location, whether it's a restaurant, a conference room, somewhere where it's you know private, but we can go ahead and sit off site and really just come up with what we have is the list. And I keep track of all the different things that we've kind of come up with over the last four and a half years to say, what do we want to accomplish? Where are we going? What's the strategic direction of the firm? And it's really just a brainstorming whiteboarding session where we'll say, okay, I would say the first hour or so is more tactical. Hey, here are the things that we want to do around technology and the specific things that are more blocking and tackling. And then we'll reserve time where it's, you know, just pure brainstorming, coming up with different ideas of things that we could do that are very, very interesting and different. That's great. Yeah, I actually cover that in my book, Double Double, my first book where I talk about where a lot of companies talk about strategic planning. And I said, there's really no such thing as strategic planning. There's strategic thinking and there's business planning. And you really need to uncouple them. And it's great that you guys are taking time for the strategic thinking, which is, as you said, whiteboarding and brainstorming and just talking through some stuff, a lot of what ifs, right? And then you can kind of percolate those through or filter them through and you end up with what you then want to plan, right? Which gets into the more tactical and specifics. Absolutely. And is it just the two of you involved in that session or do you bring in other members of your leadership team? Yeah, it's just the two of us in that session as the visionary and integrator. And then we also meet as a leadership team, an executive leadership team. We'll have our standard L10 meetings, which are an hour and a half uh, every week, every Wednesday. So we'll have our operations L10 meetings on Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. And then we'll follow that up with our executive leadership team. And then that way we have our cascading messages that we send back out to the firm, whether we do that on our connectivity calls that we have every other week with the firm or our all hands calls where we have everyone in the firm on and we do those once a quarter as well. So one thing that we have learned is that we just need to really over communicate on everything that we are doing, whether it's small decisions or big decisions, you need to realize and understand that the firm really feeds off that information. They're very curious and want to know. So we are really trying to do a better job of really over communicating to our entire firm. Sure, that's great. And Jim Collins in um, Good to Great talked about you need to over communicate to the point that your people start making fun of you. And it's only when they really kind of heard you repeat it and repeat it and repeat it that it's really started to stick in. It's just have gone through your book, Meetings Suck. And that's been awesome from our standpoint as well to really try to focus on some of the key concepts that you have in that book. And we've really had a chance to tweak some of our meetings based upon uh, the, the findings in that book. So it's been awesome. 
That's awesome. Yeah. The whole point of that book was to have all employees at all companies read it as well. How many employees do you guys have at GTN in total? So we're at 75 employees now. And yeah, just to give some perspective, when I started four years ago, I was employee number 37. So significant growth from an overall headcount perspective, and then also from a revenue standpoint as well over the last four years. So when are you going to start to bring some of the members of your leadership team into that strategy session? Well, you know, we do have a strategy session every quarter as well, where that's where we, we will meet for a full day. And that's with our entire executive leadership. Team. Oh, perfect. Yes. Yes. So we have the, you know, we'll do the standard, our operations team, which are, is our managing directors and then our executive leadership team. So we also meet every quarter there. And that's about a day and a half session where we'll go over our standard overall agenda. We'll look at our issues list and we'll t- look at what are the top three to seven goals that we want to accomplish for the quarter. So we'll do that every quarter. And then we'll also do our executive leadership team, which is a one day offsite. Got it. Okay. That works quite well then. That's, that's great. Because at some point, I think the leader's job is to grow people, right? Our, our role is to always grow people. And the more that we can grow our direct reports and their direct reports, the more the company gets propelled forwards. Absolutely. So talk to me a little bit about that in terms of what your focus is on the day-to-day or what your company's focus. How do you guys focus on, on growing people internally and um, growing your direct reports? So we have a very big focus on development here, and we engage several different organizations to help with our executive coaching and development, professional development for our managing directors. So we have used uh, the Growth Partnership and Rainmaker for uh, both of those development aspects for our managing directors. And then we also have more specific on tax technical. So tax technical milestones, we have one of our managing directors who's specifically tasked with developing that program. And then we also have specific CPE courses and development training. Now, one thing that's been really exciting for me in going through the CO Alliance and having that cohort of group uh, members there is I've really had a chance to take some learnings from the other COOs and my peers in that group. And we are actually connected with several of the members right now to talk about how we can look to implement what we want to call GTN University, which would be a much more specific focus on the professional development for our employees. Because that's one thing that we need to do a better job is continuing to enhance that. I feel like we have a good program, but now we need to really enhance that. And the CO Alliance members have been, been fantastic in, in coming up with different ideas. And the last session that I was at in December really had a chance to take some great findings away. Oh, great. I know the, uh, the April event is all related to people and leadership development and building of teams. So we'll be covering a lot of that content in April if you're at that event as well. Yep, I will be attending the one in April. Looking forward to it. So tell me a little bit about the recruiting side of the business. So you guys have doubled the amount of staff over the last four years. Tell me about the recruiting side and how you as a company recruit and bring talent into the company. I guess the recruiting and then the interviewing processes you use. We've actually got a couple of different things that we use from a recruiting standpoint. The first is we do have a contract recruiter on site here along with our HR contact who is focused on more of the sourcing and candidate finding for us here at GTN. We also engage uh, numerous different executive search firms. In fact, we did use Scouts, which you recommended out of Arizona, and they actually helped place one of our managing directors in the South region. So we're a firm believer that we want to have multiple different resources to go after talent and to make sure that we are bringing the right talent into GTN as we continue to grow. So 
whether that's our contract recruiting efforts here, whether that's our executive search firm recruiting efforts, or it's our manager on the HR side who's helping with that. And then we're also implementing some new HR tools. We have a new assessment tool that we're implementing this year, as well as an applicant tracking system. And it's all brand new. We're still in the process of getting the data loaded into that. But that's one thing that we want to do is to make sure that we can track all these candidates and make sure that we continue to get the top talent here at GTN. So what are the systems you're using then? What's the the applicant tracking system you're using? So it's called Preview HR. And again, it's a tool that we just had a demo process for here over the last couple of weeks. So we aren't fully utilizing it. We're in the implementation mode. And from that standpoint, it's also linked to an assessment tool. So we're going to be developing our specific assessments based upon our employees here to ensure that we are going through the process of the assessment finding and making sure we're onboarding appropriately as well. So we're really excited about this. This is something that's brand new for us this year, and we're still in the early stages of implementation. Awesome. I was asked the other day by um, a senior executive, and he was asking me how he should move from the sales arena into more of a COO role over time. So how did you kind of make that trajectory? Was it something you were focused on earlier in your career or how did you end up as a second in command? You know, it really, I would say, has been persistence and learning. And, you know, starting off, uh, I have an accounting background and I started in accounting at Arthur Anderson uh, back in the late 90s. And after a couple of years in the accounting practice, realized, okay, I wanted to take a different path and move down more of the operational aspect of the accounting structure and working with an accounting firm. And my career has really been more of a jungle gym as it relates to moving around in different roles from a, you know, from director of finance and HR over to a director of operations and then senior director and then now the COO spot. And I think one thing that I learned when I was at for now Fortune 5 organization here, uh, headquartered out of Minnesota, is you know, to really find someone that you can uh, latch onto with their coattails and learn from and continue to learn from. And that's been a very interesting learning point for my career. And I think one of the biggest factors for me is to also have a cohort of peers, or as we refer to them in our CO Alliance, is the tribe. And that has been very beneficial for me in my career to say, what are other peers of mine doing in the marketplace? And it's not necessarily based upon the same industries, but what I've learned is that by talking to these other COOs or other individuals that have gone through similar situations, is it's a great way for us to share ideas and best practices for how we can actually take those back into our organization. On the sales side, you know that was one thing before I came to GTN, I was affiliated with a smaller startup a staffing firm here in Minneapolis that had significant growth over seven years. And that's where I learned more of the sales aspect and the aspect of business development and also, you know, more of the metrics-based reporting related to BD. So that's been a very beneficial aspect to my career as well. Hmm. Tell me about some of the learnings and the key learnings you pulled from the CO Alliance that you brought back in. A couple of things have been very significant. First off, the, the guests that we have had speaking have been phenomenal. When we have the whole process of the giftology. And going through that with John has been phenomenal. In fact, we have at our firm implemented more of a focus on gratitude as it relates to uh, my weekly one-to-ones that I have with my managing directors. And at the end of every call, we'll say, what are we grateful for? How are we recognizing that with our clients or our prospects? And are we, you know, handwritten a thank you note or 
also we have these be adventurous cards. If someone's going on a really cool trip, one of our clients, we want to make note of that and handwrite a note, say, Hey, have a great trip. We're, we're thinking right. about you. Have an awesome time. So I would say the guest speakers have been phenomenal. The, the automation process that we just went through as well in the December session was also fantastic with yeah, Ari, Ari, Ari and he was you know just learning and hearing that these these guest speakers coming through um, so that's been that's been fantastic I think also you know going through and hearing the different members present on their findings and what they've done the 10 minute talks and going through that process has also been great I've gleaned a lot of information specific details and things that I can take back to GTN there. So that's that's been great. And it's really cool to, again, to hear similar situations and stories that people have gone through. And I can take those back and adapt those back to GTN. And you got to hide Camelback last time as well. I got to tell you, um, I'm coming out there for the April session and my wife is going to be joining because it's our 20th anniversary. And we are going to hike Camelback on Saturday morning after the Alliance. I told her we got to do that again. That was a great team building exercise as well. It's fun, isn't it? Yeah, it was a really great event. We're doing it again in, uh, well, this week because we've got another event coming up this Thursday and Friday is our February event. So we'll be hiking it again this one. Yeah, that was, it, you know, it was interesting. It was a little more difficult than I actually thought, just more from an altitude standpoint. But overall, it was it was a great experience. Yeah, it's a tough hike. You start getting to the very top and you realize there's a couple of false summits and you're scrambling through. But it was great just to be able to hang out with everybody and have some good talks along it, too. And I got to tell you, the sunrise over Phoenix and Scottsdale from that vantage point was fantastic. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. What do you attribute your success to? Is there any key one or two skills that you've been able to use over the years that have really helped you in your career? You know, I think it's just continuing to stay up on business books and the latest the, the latest writings in business. And again, your double-double book has been very important from our standpoint in starting to lay out different things we want to look at from a vivid vision perspective. Um, I also look at Coach John Wooden from UCLA back in the day and Wooden on Leadership and his Pyramid of Success. And that has been really a foundational aspect for my success as well, is referring back to those things. And just some of the key aspects that Coach Wooden has implemented over the years from a business standpoint. So it's been, uh, I would say that alone is just, you know, and staying up on the overall uh, latest writings have been phenomenal for me. You've always got a pretty positive demeanor as well. How do you manage your stress in the, the workplace? I remember back to one of my colleagues uh, when we were at the staffing firm days and she had mentioned, you know, you got to ride out the highs and then ride out the lows, right? There's going to be roller coaster ups and peaks and valleys and you don't want to celebrate the highs too much and you don't want to be down in the lows too frequently as well. So it's really about trying to maintain the positives and getting the facts and just trying to ride out and looking for those silver linings and things. But then also it's outside of work and making sure that I can stay focused with my family. I've got two boys uh, and my wife. And really, it's a matter of making sure that I love to volunteer and give back to the community. I've been on the board of the March of Diamonds for the Minnesota State Chapter here for many years. And it's really about giving back and that element and tying that at the the attitude of gratitude back in. It's been very kind of helps me keep uh, keep things level set. Yeah, it's really huge, isn't it? I started doing a five-minute journal about a year and a half ago, and that's all about practicing gratitude first thing in the morning and pretty powerful when you start your day off that way. I recently saw, and I posted this, I think I posted it in the CO Alliance group. I also posted it on Facebook, but I don't know if you saw that list of the 10 things that someone was grateful for. 
I did. Um, and I actually shared that with my family as well. Well, and, and just for our listener, it, it was an ex- a couple examples where I'm grateful for all the crumbs under the table because <laughs> it means that I have a family to eat with. And I'm grateful for all the dirty clothes scattered around the home because it means my children still live with me. And it was really powerful, wasn't it, in terms of just spinning what could possibly be negative into something that's really positive. Yeah, it really was a cool article to shed a different light on things, a different way to look at dirty dishes and dirty laundry. Yeah, pretty bad. I mean, at the end of the day, there's still the dirty dishes piling up. But but yeah, it's a really interesting way because I'd always kind of taken, I think, gratitude at a very surfacey way of, well, I'm I'm grateful for clean sheets and I'm grateful for clean food. But yeah, okay, that's kind of, that's easy, but it's, it's tough to be grateful for the hard stuff. Tell me a little bit about Dave. Is is Dave the typical entrepreneur, you know, a little bit ADD, a little bit bipolar, a little bit scattered, the kind of vision dreamer and wanting to start things all the way? Or is he a little bit more calculated and slower? You know, you know, Dave also has an accounting background. And um, he the thing about Dave is he has that entrepreneurial spirit and the entrepreneurial drive. And he has a lot of fantastic ideas, right? And it's been interesting in his role as visionary is, you know, he will come up with numerous ideas and different thoughts. And as the COO, it's been interesting uh, in my role here is to go back and say, okay, what are the items on this list that I feel make the most sense for us to drive forward? Which are the ones that we want to table for a later date? Or which are the ones that we say, you know what, we've got to hold off on these maybe forever. He is very energetic. His, his passion is at the surface. And that's what's been really fun from my standpoint is to work with someone who is so passionate about what he does in driving this firm forward. We have five core values here at GTN and be passionate is one of them. And it's really, we want people to be passionate here at the firm, but also in their lives outside of work, right? Whether they're volunteering on boards or they're coaching their kids' soccer team, we want people that have that passion and that energy and that drive. And that's really what Dave brings to the table. He is uh, truly the ambassador and, and visionary for this firm. And he is really the one that comes up with these, you know, the great ideas. And he, his 10X mentality has been something that's been great for me because just about thinking about, okay, how can we take this to the next level times 10? And he really brings that to the table, which is awesome. Yeah, they, they bring a really unique ability to the table for sure. And I think often they want to start their ideas because they don't really know what else to do with them. They have the idea. So it's like, let's do it. How do you balance that with you know the plan that you're already working on? How do you keep allowing him to free flow with the ideas? And, and what do you have systems in place to green light or red light ideas or to keep them in a place so that you don't have to start them all when he comes up with them? On our quarterly offsites, where it's just the two of us, where we go and talk about integrator and visionary items, I have a basic tracking of what I call the list. I will break those out between hot, warm, and cold for us to determine, okay, if it's a hot item that we say we need to move forward on this, what are the actions we're going to take over the next quarter to make sure we are executing and driving this forward? If it's something that's listed as cold, we want to keep it on the list and say, you know what, this is something that is of interest to us, but we cannot focus on this right now because it's going to take away from some of our other priorities. So it's very similar to what we're doing with our vision traction organizer on the traction side, where you know we are focused on three to seven top annual goals and rocks or the quarterly goals every quarter. And other than that, if it's not in one of those top three to seven, we're not going to touch it for the next quarter because otherwise we realize if the list gets too long, we're never going to accomplish anything. 
That's awesome. So you've actually got a good system in place to keep those under control. And otherwise it just, it does kind of just grow too quickly. It does. And what's interesting, Cameron, is things evolve and it's so dynamic that one quarter we might say, you know what, this is on the list, but it's cold. We don't want to touch it. And then all of a sudden there's a change with the business or there's a new client that we bring on board where we say, you know what, this has got to take priority. So now we need to, we need to shuffle the deck as it relates to what our list is, is bringing to the table here. Yeah, that's great. I love the system of actually just doing it on a quarterly basis and keeping it in this one place. Talk to me a little bit about failure. I mean, we've all struggled at certain points in our career where we've done something that if we could change it, we would. Tell me about a couple of failures and the big lessons that you've learned. Yeah, I think one of the big ones that I learned was when I was back with that now Fortune 5 organization where I was pulling together some metrics and data on a recruitment scorecard. And you know, this was back when we were, we had, there were numerous acquisitions for this organization and different systems. And when I was running some, some reports, when I first had, had stepped into my role, I pulled what I had thought was the, the full data set of all the information re- related to recruitment metric. And when I ran the report and went to report on that to the executive leadership team of the organization at the time, I realized that there was, there was one data set that wasn't being pulled through through one of these legacy systems. and you know, I learned the lesson of need to go back and make sure that are the numbers and metrics reasonable before I go ahead and present those off to the executive leadership team. So that was a, a big aha moment for me to step back and say, well, wait a minute here. Here I was just relying on what I thought was correct, but needed to go back and really do the due diligence and research to make sure the data was pulling correctly. So I think, you know, I was also given the feedback at that time, you need to go slow to go fast. And I was always trying to go fast because it was such a fast paced dynamic environment there. And that was some, a good lesson for me as well. It's just to say, okay, let me step back. Let me take a breath and let me take a look at all the facts here to make sure that I am in alignment with what I think is reasonable here. So that was a big lesson for me. I was always thinking it was about speed and getting speed and finalizing these reports. But for me, it was like, wait a minute, let's step back. Let's take a breath and make sure that I'm reviewing this for reasonableness. Oh, that's cool for sure. People that come and test drive the COO Alliance, so second in commands that are coming out to try out the event before they join for the year. What advice would you give someone who's coming out to test drive the COO Alliance event so they get the most benefit of it? Or if they're just going to any kind of a mastermind or a conference, what would you tell them to, to do so they get the most out of the event that they're going to? Yeah, and I was a test driver as well. So when I first came out to uh, Scottsdale for the first, my first session of the COO Alliance, I would say the biggest item um, that was successful for me was coming up with a list of, say, five to 10 different items or desired outcomes that I wanted to make sure I was getting out of the actual session. Several of those items were maybe different questions that I had related to what my peers might be doing. Other items were more specific on technology. There were certain areas of technology that I want to get a better understanding on. And by coming out and kind of setting my expectations right out of the gates gave me an opportunity to to come into the alliance and have my expectations absolutely blown away. And I think making the decision to join up with the CO Alliance was very easy to do after that first session. I'm, I'm really glad that you have the opportunity to do the test drive. And there's several other individuals that I'm connecting up here in the Midwest and Minneapolis area who would be great fits for the CO Alliance because... I got to tell you, from a professional development standpoint, for me personally, this has been the best by far organization or group that I've ever been a part of. And to have a tribe 
and to be able to connect with people and to ask questions in our Facebook page group and our LinkedIn pages. It's just been great to get different nuggets of information, even when we're not meeting on a quarterly basis. Oh, for sure. I think that's what we're noticing as well is that we finally do have our tribe, right? We just think differently than the entrepreneurs. And it's nice for us to actually go to an event where it's all second in commands versus where we tend to go, which is groups, you know, entrepreneurial organizations. And we we kind of fit, but we're just not quite in the same space as they are. And we're also not supposed to be. The integrators are just in a different role. Absolutely. One of the neatest things that I've taken away from the Alliance, and there's numerous things, but just when we go through that list of what are the hot technology items that people are, are using right now in their organizations, it seems like every time I come out of there with 10 different things that I have never even heard of before that other organizations are using. So for me, it's a great way to say, what can I bring back? What can we adapt here at our organization? And which are things that maybe don't apply? Yeah, it's, it's really cool to actually see the group start vetting some of the technology solutions as well. Whereas, you know, a year ago, we heard a couple of people talking about a certain technology platform. And then all of a sudden, there's been a big shift. And people are like, yeah, I used to use it, moved over to this one, way simpler, way less confusing. Um, we don't need the, the consultants helping us use it. And it's just faster to integrate. And we're like, okay, that, that's easy. <laughs> like, my mind's made up, right? It's been fun to kind of watch that percolating process or that filtering process happen. Yeah. In fact, the last session, which was all around the people in HR and recruitment, there was so much great content on onboarding that we are revamping our entire onboarding process as a result. Oh, very cool. What are you going to be changing? Anything major? You know, it's, it's really having a much more structured process. A couple of things as it relates to the different interview questions as well. But then also just more of a, again, having a more specific agenda and more more formalized process for that first week to two weeks when we have someone coming on from an onboarding perspective. So I'm working right now with my uh, HR manager to put these in place. And it's really exciting because we felt like we had a a good onboarding process and there are things that we can enhance and fine tune that are going to make it even better. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't think companies spend enough time on the onboarding and they they think that you know, once they've hired the employee that a half day introduction to people and they're ready to go. And the reality is they're not even close to ready that it's almost the longer you can wait to get the new employee to start in their job, the better it's going to be. So we used to, when we built 1-800-GOT-JUNK, we actually put in place a four week onboarding process that the new employee wasn't even able to start in their job until the end of one month. So we would put them through call center training and they would go through franchise partner training. They would go out and ride in the trucks for a week. They would do all the marketing activities. They, they would uh, go for lunches with all the directors and VPs at different times. Just really, really put them, they read the entire operations manual. We really put them through a huge intensive training process. So they really understood not just their role, but you know why the company existed and what our core values were and how we lived towards our BHAG. And, and they understood the vivid vision and they saw it in process and they'd sat in on different meetings and knew the players and stakeholders and saw how we worked as a team. And that really kind of thought through onboarding process made everybody much more successful when they started. Yeah, absolutely. And I think to that point, Cameron, I know you recently posted some information about, you know, when you're bringing on a COO, don't let them fully do their job right away. Let them dig into the business and really learn every aspect, every fundamental aspect of what is happening in the organization. And I think that's a really important part of onboarding, but also for you know a COO when they're jumping on board, 
the COO truly needs to understand every single inner working of every organ of that organization in order to understand how to run the operation. So I thought your post on that was very interesting recently. Well, and especially, as you said, if you're bringing the person in from the outside, so if you're hiring a second in command to come in over top of an existing team and into a certain business, that's a really, really critical hire and a very different onboarding process than moving someone up inside the organization. So you were lucky to have a few years behind you to kind of learn a lot of these roles. And that you were actually a second in command, um, just at a different title up until January. I guess you, you didn't have the COO title, but you were effectively the second in command a year ago. Right. Other than this strategy meeting and the, um, you know, the time that you and Dave have one-on-one, what do you and he do to make sure that your trust is really high to engage in good conflict around the business? What do you do to kind of keep building that yin and yang relationship with the CEO? The key is communication and making sure that we are on the same page. The other item that's been very interesting for us is going through the rocket fuel power index and kind of showing where do we each align on vision, staying in sync with each other? You know, do we have open and honest communication? What's our role clarity? Are we engaged in making sure that we are on track for our 30, 60, 90 day plans? But really just to kind of go through that process of where do we rank out compared to that? So that's been very beneficial as well. Right. Do you do those kinds of meetings with your direct reports as well? So we will have, yes. Yeah, so with, uh, with the managing directors, you know, we will sit down and go through that process on an annual basis. It's more of a temperature check, pulse check to make sure where are we at, where everyone goes through and ranks out different questions. And again, that's another traction tool that we utilize. So we do that on an annual basis with my managing directors and an operations team. How do you focus on giving lots of praise to your team? I've been trying to get a lot of the clients that I coach and mentor to really focus on really growing the confidence of their team. What is it that you guys do internally at GTN to drive, you know, to build up the confidence of your employees? Yeah, and I think it's it's really about being intentional. We do what's called HR pulse surveys, where we send these out typically every two to three weeks. It's not it's not on an exact schedule, but we request kudos. And what that is is where we want specific examples where someone went above and beyond, where it's linked to one of our core values. And you can give a shout out or a kudos, and then our HR individual will, will share those on a connectivity call, and we'll also publish them via email back to the firm to say, hey, here's our list of kudos for everyone over the last couple of weeks. And that's a pretty cool way for someone to give a shout out for someone who went above and beyond or did something very cool for a client or for another internal individual. One of the items that I did enhance through the CO Alliance is my one-to-one agenda. And really shoring that up. And one of the things that we do every week, or I'm sorry, every other week now with my managing directors when we go through the process, is let's talk about wins. What are some successful items that we've had over the last two weeks? What are some wins? And let's celebrate those. That's the first item that we talk about every two weeks. That's awesome. Yeah. And when you do celebrate the wins, that's key. I think something that a lot of companies forget is that we keep setting new goals. You know, we set new annual goals, new quarterly goals, new monthly goals, new weekly goals. But we often forget to celebrate the successes we had. So one of the things I'm trying to get people to do is to set a goal and then also celebrate something that happened for the similar period going backwards. So if you set new goals for the month, celebrate a couple of things that just happened in the last month. If you're setting new goals for the quarter, celebrate a couple of big successes from the last quarter. And that really allows everyone to feel excited about how far we've come 
and not get trapped with thinking that we're only going to be happy when we get to the horizon because that horizon keeps moving, right? Absolutely. And what a great way to start a, a meeting or an agenda with a one-on-one where it's like you're getting that positive energy and it's exciting. People are geared up. They're, they're excited about that, which is awesome. Yeah, it totally works. So Ray Kroc, who built McDonald's, said, when you're green, you're growing. And when we're ripe, we're dead. Do you have any key areas that you're still focusing on and growing in your role? Yeah, it's, it's still the continued focus on business development and growth related to overall sales and marketing. I think it's just because in all of my experience, whether it be my educational experience and also the, my professional experience, I have had some experience on the sales and marketing side, but not enough. And that's an area where um, we're actually going through a significant exercise right now as a firm where we are digging into our client personas and journey mapping. And that's been a great learning opportunity for me to understand what do our clients look for and how do we go from someone who knows nothing about our firm to them becoming the most loyal customers that we have. And that's been a very interesting process for me to learn the journey mapping exercise. So that's an area that I'm going to continue to focus on here is just because I have not had as much professional experience with that as I have had in other areas. That's awesome. I love that. And I think it's important for us as leaders as well, not to always be, you know, really strong in every area that we run, but at least to understand the areas, right? So it's to understand it, not even at a level of competence, but we need to know what we need to be working on, not necessarily know how to do it. Absolutely. So I'd like to wrap up, Craig, with one kind of key point that you would love any second in command or aspiring second in commands to learn from. If you could leave us with one core lesson, what would it be? You know, I think it is the relationship between the COO and the president or CEO. So the one and the two, there has to be a direct line of communication and the ability, whether you're meeting on a monthly basis or a quarterly basis, but to have your specific items laid out that you want to make sure that you're communicating because the more you can communicate between the first and the seconds and commands, the better and the more in alignment you will be. And I think that's just, that's one of the critical elements that I've learned here over the last several years is just to continue to have that open dialogue, that communication and to be able to connect up, but then also the ability to say, you know, Hey, these are great ideas, but these we maybe need to hold on because if you're going to try to do everything, you're not going to get anything completed. That's awesome. Dex, thank you very much for joining us on the Chief Behind the Chief, the Second in Command podcast. Everyone, Craig Dexheimer, the COO for the Global Tax Network. Thanks for joining us, Craig. Thanks, Cameron. It was awesome. Have a great day. All right, buddy. You too. Take care. You've been listening to Second in Command with Cameron Harold. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe. To learn more best practices from industry-leading COOs, please visit COOalliance.com.